The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to another episode of the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be having an interesting topic on a very much a hot button issue. And who better to discuss this with than Eden McCourt, who is a an anti-abortion activist from the UK. She is also a director of the new organization, which is called Abortion Resistance. So welcome to the show, Eden. How are you doing? Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm doing really well, thanks. I've got a bit of a flu because I was just traveling back from Croatia. So I think I caught something on the plane. But other than that, doing absolutely fabulously. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I've done a brief intro right there, Eden. But I know your organization is new and my listeners may not be familiar with what it is that you're doing. So tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So Abortion Resistance was launched only four months ago. So it is literally a baby organization um, and it's the youngest abortion, uh, anti-abortion organization in the UK. Um, It was kind of birthed as a need to engage with young pro-life and pro-abortion um, people around the UK and around the world on the topic of abortion. Um, in the UK, there are lots and lots of different organisations that focus on different sectors, um, crisis pregnancy, post-abortion campaigning, lobbying, parliament and stuff like that. But there's nothing really that's kind of breaking down the barriers of conversation between young people um, and also offering kind of a more digital support aspect Um of things for women in crisis pregnancies and just a way for people to connect so it's kind of been yeah born from a need to engage with young people on social media and in real life Um, and especially in London where I mean everyone is pretty much pro-abortion and you get a lot of resistance um, if you are pro-life as a young person. Sure thing so I mean it's interesting that you are a young woman who is pro-life because as you said that puts you in the minority. I don't think as much of a minority as people actually think. I think there's propaganda making it seem like your 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 type are, uh, you know, essentially non-existent, which is not true at all. Um, but what is it that led you to the point of even wanting to do this? How did you even get involved in this? 
Oh gosh, that is a long story. So it started when I was about three years old. Um, my parents found out they were expecting a child with severe disabilities and they were heavily pressured by the medical professionals to have an abortion. Um, so the syndrome that my sister had was called Patel syndrome. It's quite rare. And I mean, the lifespan of, of the child that's born with Patel syndrome, which again is also rare, you know, is a few, a few weeks maximum. Um, and so the medical professionals really said, you know, there's no point in having this child. It'd be really selfish. And um, the best option here is abortion. Now, my dad is um, from, uh, well, he's Afro-Caribbean. And so in that culture, you know, they really do value um, the human person, even in the womb. And so abortion really wasn't an option for my parents. And my mum came from kind of like a, well, she's from New Zealand, but her parents are like Irish and kind of the Catholic background. And that just wasn't on the cards. And they found it really difficult to actually find healthcare providers who were supportive of their decision to choose life. Um, and so they started getting involved with a pro-life organisation who put them in touch with a few pro-life um, doctors and medical professionals in London. Um, and so from kind of a young age, I'd been in contact with this pro-life organisation. And then it wasn't until I got to my teen years when I started having conversations with my peers about it and it started coming up um, on television and all that kind of thing where um, I got into a discussion one day. I must have been about 13 or 14. And one of the girls was arguing it from a case of disability, trying to justify abortion in the case where the child has a disability. And it kind of, you know, my sister, she had died at that point. She lived past the odds she lived till she was almost four mm-hmm. um and she was the happiest child i've ever met she just brought so much joy and inspiration to my life and so many other people's lives and so when i heard her talking about it and trying to justify abortion from that aspect i kind of thought whoa hang on a second you're basically saying people like my sister don't deserve to have a chance at life mm-hmm. and she was like yeah and your parents were selfish for bringing her into the world and i was like whoa okay that's crazy i was like so you're saying she was better off dead than mm-hmm. ever have existing and me never have knowing her and she said yes. And so that's when I was like, hmm, this this doesn't seem right to me. So I kind of looked into the laws, found out that in the UK, you can have an abortion up to 24 weeks for any reason and up to birth in the case of disability. Um, and that really shocked me. I thought that was just absolutely abhorrent. And I started looking into the procedures, how it's done. Um, and that's kind of what gave me the boost to get involved. So I started volunteering at um, different pro-life organisations, um, crisis pregnancy centres, and then going to stuff like the March for Life in London. It was actually done in Birmingham at the time. Um, And then it kind of just went from there. I realized that, you know, with the unborn being systematically targeted and killed in the womb, there is no issue to me that is more important in this day and age because it's legal. Um, And so really trying to combat that because it's just so abhorrent and it's destroying our society and destroying lives and women's lives um, because they're being sold this lie that it's somehow empowering. I just thought it was, I wouldn't be, doing my duty if I didn't stand up and actually do something actively about it. So when I was 18, I started doing street outreach and talking to people actually on the streets about the issue and found out that there are more people than we think that are in the middle. And you just need to have a conversation with them to get them to understand your perspective and why human life is important in the womb. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just kind of automatically think everyone is pro-abortion because that's what the media tell you to think. And it's not the case. There is such a huge... Yeah, it's not true at all. There's a mountain of people in the middle who may be for some circumstances, but when you actually have a conversation and reason with them, they get it. Um, And so from street outreach, I started working with an organisation in Scotland when I was 20. I did that for three years and then I left uh, there this year and started a new um, organisation, abortion resistance with some friends of mine. And that's kind of primarily based in London at the moment.
so yeah that's kind of this history of yeah no <laughs> yeah well, well it's, it's important because it's important to know what drives and motivates people because oftentimes it is some type of personal experience or circumstance. I think when it comes to this issue in particular, and I'm sure as an activist, you know this, to, you know, there, there, there are a lot of things that make it a minefield. And one of them is the fact that it's not a comfortable conversation. Regardless of someone's position or lack of, it's not a, it's, it's not a dinner party conversation. It's not a pleasant thing to discuss, right? As someone who is pro-life myself, um, every time I have the conversation, even if it's with another person who is pro-life, let alone someone who is not, it's not pleasant. It's just gross. It's dark. Um, it's human life and death. Uh, you know, however people want to frame it or sugarcoat it or whatever their position is, if you're speaking about the issue honestly, um, and, and I give some respect to that person you were talking to, because even though I totally disagree with her position, at least she was she was honest. And that's actually quite, quite hard to find, because yeah. a lot of people on the opposite side of the argument rely completely on euphemisms and dancing around the issue and never really talking about it head on or saying their position, because when they say it, especially that argument, I mean, that's a straight up eugenics argument. Yeah. Right. No sugarcoating. Yeah. That is an argument for eugenics. And if you go around and ask people if they support eugenics, I mean, they're like, oh, of course not. Right. That's abhorrent. Mm -hmm. That's a terrible idea. But I mean, I tweeted about this the other week. I said a, a surprising number of people in the West, when it comes down to it, support eugenics. And they wouldn't say that. But it's true. If you're yeah. saying that um, if somebody is I mean, the laws in the UK are eugenic. Right. If it's you're saying that, OK, this is the limit. I mean, 24 weeks is absurd, I think, to begin with. But if you're saying there's no limit, if someone has a disability and that could include something as mild as a cleft lip, a cleft yeah. palate. Right. Down syndrome. Right. Things yeah. there. There are countries I'm sure, you know, in the world, in Europe where Down syndrome essentially doesn't exist anymore. Why yeah. is there why is there nobody with Down syndrome? It's like, oh, because you killed them all before exactly. they were born. So when you really start talking about it and you go into it. You see, it's actually it's it's dark. Um, it's it's really dark, and we're living in this time where we're supposed to be all advanced and uh, progressive and and liberal and kind and tolerant and so on and so forth. And there's millions and millions of people, billions um, over the course of many years, who don't have any human rights. Right? People don't even want to recognize the humanity of this subset of the population. And that to me, uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, but to, to me, that that's dark. That's like, yeah. whoa, um, for all the all the gains we've made and all the progress and all the anti-discrimination and equality and expansion of rights. I mean, even the way people treat animals. I mean, you know, someone kicks a cat or someone uh, is mean to a dog and people come or someone shoots a lion. Right. I mean, the way. The, the, the boy you're you're, you're going to get the mob on you but then you'll also get the mob on you if you say hey i don't think we should kill unborn babies and are, are you surprised by how controversial that position is sometimes it just never fails to amaze me i i genuinely you know and there are people out there who 
know that it is a human from fertilization and will still defend the pro-abortion position. And that never fails to literally boggle my mind. I just don't understand it. I don't know how somebody could come to have that mentality, you know, who, and even like you said, yeah, okay, I respect this girl. She actually said like she was for an extreme eugenics position, but how can you have that mentality? Where does that come from? You know? Mm. I mean, I, I I generally don't think we are as advanced as advanced as we think we are. Um, I think that all throughout human society, every time, everywhere, everywhere in history, I, I'm not aware of anywhere in the world really or any place that is like what I would describe as truly consistently pro-life across the board. Hmm. It doesn't exist and it's never really hmm. existed. I mean, you could you go back in history, of course, there was... There were genocides and people, uh, you know, discriminating against each other. This group of people aren't human. This group of people is not human, so on and so forth. Slavery, brutality, all, all I mean, th thousands of years, going back thousands mm -hmm. and thousands of years. And, you know, it took a really long time for people to work out, oh, this slavery thing's a bad idea. I mean, slavery mm -hmm. went on for thousands of years. And it's kind of mind-blowing to think that, I mean, imagine being someone who was pro you know, who, who, who wanted to abolish slavery, right? At the time yeah. where it was just like, well, that's just the norm and yeah. these people are not human beings, so we can do this and we can do that. And you're kind of there in the minority thinking, this is clearly wrong. Like this is clearly morally and ethically an issue. But when you're in that minority and the popular position is just, I'm sure there were plenty of people who, who didn't really like it and were like, eh, I don't really like this. Mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't do it myself, but you know, that's someone else's choice. Um, it, it's odd. So I, I, I don't think we're kind of done with that uh, societal evolution yet. And yeah. I think in this particular scenario, because especially because it's framed as a women's rights issue, that is one of the most powerful tools in the thing, because oh, then yeah. if you are pro-life or anti-abortion, then especially as a man, I mean, I'm sure you, 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 you'll, you'll yeah. get plenty of heat too. But it then becomes, oh, you're anti-women's rights, you're, you're anti-women, you want to control people, you want to force people to do this and force people to do that. <laughs> you're anti-choice, you're, you know, you're pro-birth, you're, I mean, I don't mind being called pro-birth. I, I mean, I am pro-birth. I think if a woman gets pregnant, mm -hmm. she could get, she should give birth. I don't know, she, she should be forced into pregnancy, obviously. Um, yeah. But, and then it's also a strange conversation because people act as if they don't know where babies come from. Right. I know. <laughs> no. it, that, that's another weird part. It's 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 like it's this mystical thing, and that you just know, happens just boom, randomly. Just, and, and, I, and I'm like, like oh, can we. By the time we're having this conversation, something upstream <laughs> has already happened, and I think we live in this age where people, I've said before, people want all of the rights and none of the responsibilities. You want mm -hmm. the right to do absolutely everything. And for there never to be a consequence, you want to yeah. outsource accountability, outsource responsibility. And it's me, 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 me. I want this, me, 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 my, I like it's all on, it's all that, but there's not much of a conversation about, okay, well, what are the responsibilities yeah. that come with this, right? You have a right. I mean, there's no laws around whether who who somebody can have sex with or how they should have sex or well, like you have a right to i have a right to go and knock up dozens and dozens of different women if if there's no laws stopping me from doing that yeah. but i have a responsibility as a man as an adult 
to take responsibility for my actions and actions. to be wise with my decision making. If I go and do that and then I'm playing the victim because I've got to pay child support to 10 different people, um, I don't think I'm going to gain much sympathy. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the scary thing is as well, it's like, again, you're taking responsibility for the consequences of your actions, but it's absolutely petrifying to see how many young people refuse to take responsibility for anything. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting as well, because, you know, even with movements, if somebody in a movement treats, so for example, um, you know, all the, the crisis pregnancy centers that were bombed and destroyed in America after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, you know, there was no even responsibility from the pro-choice movement over there condemning the actions of the no. people within their movement. And it was it's like really scary um, because they're doing terrible things and no one's, you know, no one's taking responsibility and apologizing for it or doing anything about it's it. Because they, it's because a lot of people quietly agree with it yeah and those who don't scary. yeah i mean this isn't really in our lifetimes but i mean in the u.s in particular i mean this happened the other way around in the i want to say in like the 80s and in the 90s there were abortion clinics getting bombed there were um abortionists who got mm -hmm. assassinated um that was a very real thing there were yeah. pro-life advocates um anti-abortion act activists who would do that and it's again this is this is why the thing is such a, a a weird and odd conversation because you can also understand that position and i'm not saying this to justify it at all to be very clear mm -hmm. on that that is not the way that activists should behave and i do not condone violence but if someone is going in there and taking lives every single day taking innocent lives it's not extremely difficult to understand where someone is coming from where oh okay well i'm now justified to take this person's yeah. life if yeah. that is what they're doing so you can understand it and then on the flip side again with the way the narrative is painted it's like oh my gosh these people are i mean i don't know why you specifically target a, a crisis pregnancy center that's that's kind of strange but for people on the far end of the other issue it's like oh my gosh these people are uh taking taking women's rights and trying to force them mm. to do this and this is the slippery slope into the handmaid's tail and yeah. they're going to do this and they, right i mean but that's not my position but if you just listen to people and you see what they're saying mm. and you listen to what they that that's their that's their position yeah, right you know these these extreme anti-choice uh activists and it's all I don't know. It's so messy. It's it's very very messy. But in terms of your own position, what what is your how would you sort of summarize what your personal position is? If someone asks you, okay, you're you you call yourself pro life, you call yourself anti abortion. Yep. What what's your position? What are the people like to go into the nuances of exceptions yeah. and this and that? What yep. what is your position to be clear on that? So I am completely and utterly against abortion. Um, in all circumstances, um, with regards to when a woman's life is in danger, for example, like an ectopic pregnancy, um, you know, intention does come into it. And so if uh, the embryo will die and the mother will die if it's not removed, it's not technically an abortion because the procedure isn't done for the sole intention of targeting and killing the unborn, but to save the life of the mother. Um, in a very physically life-threatening manner where 
you know, if both are going to die, you have to save one. Yes. Um, and so other than that, in the cases, the extreme cases, which everyone always likes to bring up, like rape and incest, I would be against abortion in those circumstances. Um, and eventually I'd like abortion to become illegal. But before mm. that happens, I think we need to have a societal shift um, in the way that we look at abortion yes. and actually how it does affect women. So, you know, you kind of hear the, the pro-abortion crowd saying, you know, well, if abortion becomes illegal, women are going to do it anyway. And that is true unless we're able to change the culture um, and provide better support systems for women in crisis pregnancies and also parents in general. Um, so that is a massive mission. <laughs> it, it, it's also not a great argument to say that something should be legalized simply because some people are going to yeah. do it anyway. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's really not a great, I mean, I, I don't think most, I don't think many of the arguments are, are, are great, <laughs> are, yeah, are great in like, favor, but, but I mean, yeah. no one with any other issue, like with any other, especially a violent crime issue, no one's going, oh, well, yeah. you know. Some men are going to rape women anyway. So, so we should just legalize like, it. No, no one in their me. right, no one in their right mind would uh would consider such a thing. And also, there's no other situation where people will use situations that make up less than one percent of the situations in order to argue in favor of a hundred percent. We understand yeah. there 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 are times where homicide is justified. All right. If someone yeah. come if someone comes at me if I if I have a gun and someone comes at me and draws a gun on me and I shoot them before they shoot me that's a justified homicide I'm not even yeah, I'm probably not even going to go to trial right uh, justified homicide can happen in situations of war where war has been declared and you know you're you're defending your land against an invader or something and you kill someone that is a justified homicide but that doesn't mean homicide in general is okay exactly right just just because you can find rare and specific cases where you might be able to say, okay, from at least a moral or an ethical perspective, that are, is 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 justifiable. It, it still wouldn't mean, okay, so all of it is. And again, yeah. people only use that approach on this particular issue. As soon as people jump straight there, it's just like, okay, you're not really being yeah genuine honest here. No, and you don't actually really care. It's kind of like it's. I mean, it's the first thing the pro-choice movement will always bring up is rape and incest. It's the first thing they go to and it makes up less than one percent of all abortions yes. and i mean that is still like it's terrible but the fact that they would trivialize that kind of act just to push their agenda i just mm -hmm. think it's so dodgy it's so wrong do you think that there do you think that those are reasonable legal exceptions no, because, no? Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. I just, you know, again, if we kind of go through the logic of that, you know, a human is a human from fertilization. Mm -hmm. I don't think I can justify Like you can justify killing that human because of something that they didn't commit or for circumstances out of their control with regarding mm -hmm. to their conception. And again, it is, it, re it really is a hard one, especially if it's like a minor or something like that. And it's very, mm -hmm. you have, yeah. Because really I, I, that I, because I, I ask that because that's something that um you know even as a as someone who considers myself pro life that's one where I think ethically and morally you, the circumstances of conception make make no difference a human being is a human being I'm not going to suddenly mm -hmm. say oh it's it's not a human being because like it's not intellectually consistent nor biologically mm -hmm. consistent I do I'm not I'm not sure myself where I stand on the legality of those yeah. 0.4% cases or something because also that's a situation where this is not someone again coming back to that responsibility piece this yeah. is not someone um 
you know, kind of being responsible for their for their own ends, yeah, if, that's, if that's something that was forced. However, I do think that it's important overall, coming back to a point you were making earlier, is I'd like to see our societies just move generally in a more pro-life direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for that to happen, you have to win the moral and ethical conversation first. I think mm-hmm. that jumping straight into legislation, I don't know. I think you, you have to change, you have to change yeah. policy have to downstream change. of culture. You, you have to get people to at least um, concede that this is not a good thing. And this, this is also how the conversation has changed because that used to generally be understood and accepted mm-hmm. decades ago. But now yeah. the, the so-called pro-choice movement has in many ways become their, their, their actual position has changed. Yeah. It's gone from, you know, safe, legal and rare, which is a, a bit of an oxymoron in itself, but it's gone from that to which, which has the implicit understanding that, okay, this is not a, this is not a good thing. This is not something we, we want tons of women doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want me going out there and having 10 abortions or something like that. Um, but it was kind of this begrudgingly pro-choice position. And now a lot of people still do hold that. But the the larger voices in the space now are just like, look, it's just, you know, my body, my choice. No, yours, yeah, no, you know, no, no restrictions, no time limits, no nothing. And if you are opposed to that in any way, shape or form, then you are a terrible person who who hates women and so on and so forth. So as an as someone who spends a lot of time, I mean you're you're dedicating your your time and your work and your energy to doing this. What are some of the biggest hurdles that you face or what are some of the things that you have found most surprising in your activism thus far? That's a really tough question. What has been the biggest hurdle? You know what the youth the young people, especially on social media. Um, I, you know, I reach a lot of people with my social media platform, TikTok, especially because it's just a platform designed for that just to yeah, get a lot of views and stuff. Um, and it's kind of the most disheartening thing, because again, when you go out and have real life conversations with these people, it's, you know, you realise that a lot of them are more open to the culture of life than you would expect but when you go on platforms like tiktok and even twitter people are so vicious mm-hmm. and they would say things to you that they would never dream of saying in a normal conversation face to face and so that's probably been the biggest hurdle is actually trying to kind of cut through all the the crap that's posted um, and actually have proper discussions because it is possible to change someone's mind over social media i mean i've, I've done it lots of times before mm-hmm. um, but actually finding the the time to wade through it all and actually pick pick up people who are genuinely interested um, and not listen to kind of the the really terrible things that you get sent um but the most surprising thing I think has been just yet again when you actually speak to people about it how many people are willing to listen again the media paints out to be a very black and white polarized which in online I think it is Mm -hmm. um but when you get to maybe the dinner table maybe not maybe street outreach and you're actually speaking to people you know, they're more open to listening and they're not as like dismissive um, and it's not as kind of black and white as like you hate women. You can kind of get through to them the kind of compassionate side and help them see where you're coming from rather than it just being a screaming match or a comment war or something, you know. How often do you find that people even know the basic facts? 
Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really not very, well, online, not very often. And it's certainly in person, they won't even know the laws. People just don't know. They just kind of go along believing it, but they don't actually know. When people, when I tell people that you can have abortion up to birth with disability in the UK, they are horrified. Mm -hmm. The majority of them are absolutely shocked because they don't know that um, because it's not discussed well enough. Um, and again, they wouldn't go into it just and look into it off their own backs. Um, so I don't think a lot of people know the facts. But then, again, you get the people who do know that human... And to be fair, actually, just going back, um, the amount of people who refuse to acknowledge that human life does begin in the womb is also quite scary. I have had a really hard time comprehending the amount of people who will blatantly deny it. And I don't know if it's trauma-linked to some kind of abortion-related experience because... Mm -hmm. I think you know, that's a big problem too. Yeah. And the, it, they just block it. But mm -hmm. the refusal to acknowledge the fact that you can literally see on any health website or, you know, medical textbook, mm -hmm. that is shocking to me. Well, I think that people don't want to confront or accept that, not because they actually don't believe it, mm -hmm. but because if it's accepted, then that has real moral implications yeah. for their position and perhaps for what they are advocating for. So my, with me, myself, I mean, up until my late twenties, I never even really, I never thought about the issue, honestly. Mm. Um, very, very little, like off on the surface. I never, I never liked the idea. I was always like, yeah, like, it's gross. Like I always thought it was killing a baby, of course, because it just is. Um, but I, I never, I never really had like a reason or anything to really, I don't know, get in. I didn't, I didn't really have a position, which is, I think a lot of people's positions. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people are almost, I guess you could say pro-choice by default. Yeah. Right. It's yeah, the law. Yeah. It's, it's the law of the land. I assume that the laws are generally correct and make sense. And other people, have thought about this way more than I have. So mm. you tend to just, whatever, whatever country you're in, most people just accept, okay, like the law is just the law and this is how it is. And it probably, probably makes sense. Cause in most cases it does. Normally it's like, okay, like, okay, I get, you know, it make, makes sense. So I'm not going to mm. go out and question this. And then when some of these conversations just started popping up more, I think, for example, when certain bills started being passed in the USA and whatever, and it just started becoming a much bigger conversation, it got to a point where I was like, you know what, let me let me really do my research, right? Let me let me really look into this. Let me look into um, the the human. I mean, I, I remember learning in school a little bit about fetal development and gestation mm -hmm. and what life looks like at different stages. But let, let me let me really look into this. Let me look into, OK, how is an abortion performed? right mm -hmm. at the different stages okay at the first 12 weeks this is what it looks like and then uh you know second trimester this is what it looks like if it goes to third trimester this, these are the procedures and i actually watched a couple videos like real videos yeah right i'm i'm i don't think many people have like actually watched a video yeah. of a so-called dilation and evacuate yeah. i was like holy like yeah, yeah I, it, it messed me up like, it, it messed yeah. me up and obviously seeing photos of the I mean, I, I'd see, I'd seen those before, and I was just like, I became pro-life like pretty, pretty fast. And then mm -hmm. listening to, listening to the best arguments on both sides of the debate, and just finding the pro-life ones so much more compelling and consistent and intellectually 
honest and morally sound mm-hmm. because to 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 accept abortion you either have to you either have to deny the humanity yes which is biologically unsound or you have to accept that in some scenarios it's okay to intentionally directly terminate an innocent human life yeah you have to accept either you have to you have to accept one one or both of those yeah and given my my own moral framework and my own intellectual honesty I'm like, no, I'm not cool. I'm not cool with either of those. I'm not, I can't do the, oh, it's, it's not a baby. It's a, it's a parasite. It's a clump of, like, that, that's it completely intellectually dishonest. Um, or you have to go, okay, yeah, it is, it is a baby. It is, it is a human being, but I think you should be able to kill that human, human being anyway. Um, yeah. if it, if it inconveniences you or you can't afford it, or they might be, the, and I'm like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. Some people hear that and they're like, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm just like, no, that doesn't sit with my ethics and my morals and what I know to be correct. I think that there are many, many from a, from a pragmatic or a convenience perspective. I think there are many solid arguments in favor of abortion, but I don't think that convenience should trump morality and ethics i think that if you accept that then yeah you're 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 just going into very dark territory then you can start justifying yeah. a lot of really dark things and saying yeah. oh well it would be more convenient or more pragmatic or cheaper to do this or that you know you can argue to bump off all all sorts of people yeah and um, even the slavery i mean an issue of convenience again you could have argued it from that point of view mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know yeah economics convenience um you know, or yeah, so it, it's that, or again, you you go the to the dehumanization argument, which is what they used. I mean, the USA, they say, oh, well, these are not human beings, right? They're in the same category as as livestock, as as cattle or chicken, and that's how they got around it. You know, despite yeah. the fact that, and and what's even darker with that is, I mean, if you think of it, at that time, I mean, a country like the USA, and even in the Great Britain, I mean, those were more Christian countries than mm. than they are now. Um, so it's even weirder to think, man, like people who on, on many other things, they were so like on point and moral and righteous, but like, there's just this huge gape, like giant blot in terms of what they're doing and how they're justifying it. And I, I do feel like we're, I do feel like we are, we are there again as a society with this, with this particular issue where there's just there's this giant blot and it's kind of hidden and it's kind of invisible. And I think yeah. that's also how people get around it. Cause it's not visible, right? It's not yeah, like exactly. you, can, you, you can just walk around. I mean, you can go to San Francisco, you can go to the most liberal place where you're just walking around. Oh, cool. Like every, you're not like seeing this happening. It's just mm. like, Oh, okay. But there's this dark underbelly in this industry and it really is an industry. Um, yeah. And this is happening and you can look you can look at the numbers and you can look at the figures and no one talks about it and it's all like underground and no one <laughs> sees it no one sees the result of it it's just like oh just you know put that in the waste disposal and um out of sight out of mind and i think that i don't know i think even if women had like transparent bellies or something and you could like see with a pregnant woman you could like you could literally like see the child there i think even that would make such a big difference in oh, the, yeah. the, the empathy and compassion that people feel because it's just like, oh, out of sight, out of mind. They don't yeah. think about it. And it's interesting as well, because during the um, during the whole COVID stuff, 
um, in the UK, they introduced pills by post, which is basically taking medical abortion pills at home. Mm -hmm. And so there were lots of women who were being coerced into having abortions, who were family members were ringing up and getting the abortion pills delivered to their homes, who had no face to face contact with any kind of medical professional, abortionist, abortion fighters, whatever, mm-hmm. um, and then had to go through all of that in their own homes. They mm-hmm. had to literally take the pills and then deliver their dead children down their toilets, you know, by themselves. And, you know, that's now become uh, an implemented thing in the UK. They put it through a few months ago. But I kind of think maybe because of it, more and more women are going to start waking up to the reality of what abortion is and what it does. Um, and maybe things might get better and people who have had abortions, post-abortive women will actually come forward and be like, well, I had this and I saw this and I experienced this and this is not, you know, an empowering thing. This is not mm. a pro thing. Um, but that's really sad. How, how do you think it's, um, how, how do you think it's, man, this sort of framing of the, of the issue as being something that's empowering to to women as a as a woman yourself how does that number one how does that kind of make you feel and number two how do how do you think that you avoided the psyop i think it's a psyop but how 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 did you avoid that because i i do think that for decades there have been many many lies pushed upon society pushed on men pushed on women sometimes it's the same message sometimes it's it's a different message particularly for one sex and i do think that this one has been one of the most successful brainwashing schemes of the past couple decades for it to be framed as this is this is not this is this is a moral good this is pro-social this is empowering this is you know you you go girl you know your your body your choice don't let no man tell you what like the, the way it's been sold is is mind blowing to me. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, because because I, I I think it's the opposite. I literally think it's the. Oh opposite. yeah, it is. It is. It's so insidious the way that they've managed to dupe millions of females around the world into thinking that this is something that's beneficial for them and other women. And you know, it's so insulting as well because you know, if you come at it from kind of like a, a feminist perspective, where you know a lot of you know pro choice advocates would classify themselves as feminists, they are literally trying to reject the thing that is inherent to females mm-hmm. to fit into a kind of male dominated world where they have to have abortion in order to be equal to men in order to be successful or have careers or fulfill mm-hmm. their dreams as women you know they have to deny the very thing that's inherent to specific you know to the female body and so it's i i just again the way that they've sold it and pushed it as like Oh, to be equal in society, you have to um, adapt a male normative body um, and to fit in. That's how you have to do it. You have to deny motherhood and mm-hmm. actually, you know, even go against it completely. Like, it's like anti, anti-motherhood, yes. anti-child. Mm-hmm. It's so sick. It's so twisted. It's mm-hmm. so screwed up. Um, yeah. So, again, and, and that's kind of an angle that... Um, I come at it from is, you know, if you're speaking to someone who's pro-choice, they'll identify themselves as a feminist. You can kind of come at it from the angle of, you know, well, how can you accept a feminism that's telling you that you need to reject your fertility in order Mm -hmm. into society, in order to even exist or to have a career? You know, it's just shocking. Absolutely shocking. How do you think you avoided that? Um, I think it's... My sister, Josephine, again, giving me the perspective on life that she did 
um, my parents. And also it's been interesting. Have you heard of Darren Brown? Yes. <laughs> okay. So I've just been, I like, I love Darren Brown and I watch a lot of his stuff. And, um, you know, he always talks about the majority of the human race are very susceptible um, to outer influences and can pretty much be kind of programmed to do anything, which we've kind of seen over the past few years, mm-hmm. um, you know, just by authority figures. And I think there are some people who are just don't have the strength <laughs> to kind of resist the flow and actually think for themselves. The majority of people just want to go with the flow. They don't want to stand out. They want to fit in. You know, they want to be part of a tribe, part of a crew. And so they go with what the majority is rather than thinking for themselves. And I just think some people are naturally a, a bit more susceptible to outer influence and some people aren't. And I think probably it comes into it that I, I don't think I am. I think mm. I am more thinking for myself, which is like you. So Yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> How how do you think that we move forward on this issue? So you've started your organization, Abortion Resistance, but what do you think are some effective ways of having these discussions, which can be difficult, and actually getting people to see, you know, removing this veil and getting people to at least see what is really going on because I, I find myself like I, I don't consider myself an activist at all but I, I find it I mean, maybe it shouldn't be shocking because I myself even in my mid-20s didn't really know all that much about what was really going on because I'd never looked into it nor felt the inclination to do so in, in any sort of detail it was just like Ugh, it's, it's, it's icky it's gross I, I don't want to look into that so much. So I can't, I'm not totally, I'm I'm shocked by some people's complete lack of any type of biological sense, mm. but, <laughs> um, but I guess I, I can also empathize with people not knowing some of the facts because there was a time when I myself didn't. Yeah. Um, so what do you think is an effective approach? Um, Oh, there are so many. I think one of the most effective approaches is actually putting like the ground, like doing the groundwork and actually being there to support women. You know, there have been um, young girls who've come to me and people in organizations that run crisis pregnancy centers who come, they'll offer them every single avenue of support. And because it's legal, that woman will still go away and have her abortion. And um, there's nothing you can do. You can't hold them down to tie them down to a bedpost and stop them. But then also being for them, being there for them afterwards to uh, help them and let them know that they're still loved um, and they still, you know, matter and you can kind of support them after that. I think it's really important to come at it from a point of view where we're not against women. We're here for women during and after. And even, if you know, if they choose life, which hopefully, you know, that's obviously what you always want, you'll be there to help them and support them afterwards in any capacity that you can. And they'll tell people and they'll, you know, you'll kind of witness in that way. They'll they'll tell other people about how you behaved and what you've done. And there's never been a better kind of ambassador for the pro-life movement than post-abortive women who have been helped by the pro-life movement and women who've had their children and also been supported because people will listen to them um, more than if we just say if human life begins at fertilization, it's wrong to take an innocent human life. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of, again, it's such an emotional topic that kind of addressing it in an emotional way um, 
in a compassionate way is good. But then saying that, sometimes there is a time to be a bit sassy and a bit fiery um, and do rallies and, you know, make your voices heard and be loud. Um, and on social media, I think that's a great way of doing things because when you're loud, when you're outrageous, when you're kind of bold and feisty, people like content like that. They like content they can mull over and, oh gosh, can you imagine, can you believe she's just said that? Mm-hmm. And then you get the engagement and then you get more people seeing your content and then you get the people that want to come to you for genuine conversations where you can actually change minds. So mm-hmm. there are different methods of activism and stuff like that. Um, but one thing that abortion resistance is really trying to do as well as helping women um, with our kind of baby basket scheme is that we are doing regular rallies outside Parliament and all around different places in London, which is kind of, again, outreach. We're speaking to the public. And the, work, the, the way that we're kind of doing it is we're kind of not addressing abortion as a whole, but specific aspects of it. So, for example, um, the rally we had a few weeks back was on coerced abortion. Nobody pro-life or pro-choice is going to agree mm. with coerced abortion so finding that common ground it being like whoa you don't agree with coerced abortion neither do we, neither do we let's see how we can kind of maybe work on this and work for a better you know less coercion for women um and kind of picking it picking at it like that like baby steps kind of thing yeah um, yeah no that that's really wise because it's an issue that can be so hard to find common ground yeah on um especially it's easier to find common ground with people who are, uh, let's say, begrudgingly uh, mm-hmm. pro-abortion rights um, rather than the ones who are just like hardline. Yeah. Because totally. people people who are hardline, uh, you know, in favor of abortion versus people who are hardline against it, it's so hard to thread that needle because it's just like, you know, if this person is saying life begins at conception, it's wrong to take an innocent human life you know, uh, completely unnecessarily. Uh, And the other person is saying, nope, there should be no restrictions whatsoever, any point, any time, any reason, no questions asked. Like, I've I've had these conversations before. And, um, you know, those are the ones where I'm just like, man, well, I, I hope I hope your heart changes. Yeah, yeah, because (laughs) I, I don't even know what to say (laughs) what can I say Uh, yeah but then the thing is with those types of people I genuinely think they must have had like a direct abortion experience certainly from what I've seen from the people that I know and how long I've been doing this people who are uber pro-abortion who will deny the humanity Mm. or you know everything like that they have usually been um a victim of the abortion industry or for guys who I find are you know the most loud about this to me yes, yes. um they've pressured someone into having it you know mm-hmm. they've said if you don't get an abortion i'm gonna leave or something mm-hmm. like that and the men who've avoided responsibility by getting their partners pregnant and then telling them to have an abortion they're the ones who are really 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 staunch oh, yeah. abortion so i think they've had a personal experience and that's why it's so difficult to get through to them and that's a part that is rarely discussed um yeah. I mean, women, I don't know in the UK, I know in the USA, women are more likely to be pro-life than men are. And if you think about that for a couple of seconds, it shouldn't really shock you. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't really shock you. So, uh, you know, men are not going to say this out loud, but coming back to this point of the denial of responsibility and accountability, there are plenty of guys out there who want to have an out for their actions and they don't want to be on the hook instead of being more responsible and accountable upstream so that you don't even 
encounter this scenario, um, they would like to be able to, you know, use women like disposable tissues and, uh, you know, yeah. hide, hide, hide the evidence. And no one wants to put it forward that way. And I'm not saying that's every, that's every guy's position. Um, but those people are out there. And so they'll yeah. champion themselves as, you know, pro-woman and pro-women's rights yeah. and pro this and pro that. But there is a, you know, there there is a clear and obvious in- incentive there yeah. for them to have that position, let alone the fact that it's the easy one to hold socially. It wins you the virtue points. You can be, hey, yeah. look, I'm a champion for women, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, being being pro-life, being a pro-life man, there, there's not really much of an... Yeah, there's no incentive. <laughs> as well. No, there, there's not much of an incentive beyond the fact that, you know, it's simply just, look, man, I think this is morally wrong. Yeah, I, I know. This is morally wrong. Like, I, there's no... I, I have nothing to, to gain, gain from, from this. this. There's, no, there's no nefarious thing. And, and it's so funny when they try to do the whole, oh, you know, you want to control. It's like, well, if 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 there was this nefarious goal to control women and to force them into do this and that, it's like, well, again, why would this be the only issue that people feel that passionately about? Like, If someone was saying that and then they were also advocating for like all of this, you know, <laughs> removing the right to vote and forcing this and for, then, okay, maybe that person, I've never, I've never encountered someone like this. Yeah. Then there's a fair argument. Okay. This person actually wants to control women, <laughs> but it's just like, no, like you can do what you want. You can even, you can tattoo your freaking face. If you want, you can do this. You can do like plenty of things that I might even think are completely silly or harmful. Um, it's just like, just don't kill anybody. Yeah. Exactly. And that's another thing. I, I don't understand how, again, the kind of pro-choice movement don't realise that it is actually a really misogynistic thing. And like I work for a post-abortion helpline. Um, I do volunteer stuff with them. Mm. And for them, the majority, over 75% of callers have been coerced into abortions. Really? You know, yeah, it happens so much more often than people think. You know, the pro-choice movement painted out like, this isn't an easy decision for women. So, you know, when a woman has abortion, she's really thought about it and she's decided that's exactly what she wants to do. So, you know, trust women. But in the majority of cases, if you actually listen to the reasons why people get abortions, or if you even talk to post-abortive women, a lot of them will say, oh, I was uh, studying and I didn't have anyone to help me. Oh, my partner said he would leave me. Oh, uh, my career would have fallen down the drain because nobody- Even fathers in some cases. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's, you know, there are some, if it's not someone, a a family member or a partner Mm. coercing, it's pressure from society where, again, like being a mother and trying to, you know, be successful in a career is just you just can't do it which is so wrong to tell women because it's just false yeah you can do it it's (laughs) so just it's so disempowering yeah um it's ah it's such a it's such an annoying (laughs) (laughs) it it can be such an annoying conversation because people come at it from such different you know and i I can get i can get the different perspectives and and angles and i do my best to empathize with positions even if they're completely the opposite of my own and I can at least I can see where they come from but I do feel like with this issue and I, I don't I don't like to just call people um I don't I don't I don't want to I don't like to be that guy who just assumes that oh everyone who has a different opinion to me is is brainwashed or the yeah. victim of a psyop or something 
But in this case, like knowing the propaganda around this and how it's run for decades and some of the narratives and messaging and the phrasing and the slow, I'm like, this is really deceptive. Like people have, there are a lot of people, there are millions and millions of people, maybe billions who have been deceived on this issue. And another thing that makes it clear is when the, you, you can always tell when someone's argument or position is not very strong based off. To me, to me, there's three, there's three big ones. Number one is complete unwillingness to discuss it. Mm-hmm. Number two is relying completely on euphemisms, right? Mm-hmm. Never wanting to talk clearly and directly. So everything just becomes a euphemism, yeah. uh, a choice, uh, you know, her body, reproductive justice, um, health care, like just n- never wanting to just say exactly what, what it, you know I, I support a women's right to choose like, yeah what does what does that mean yeah, choose what I, I, yeah like so do i just <laughs> i don't support abortion i could support people's rights to choose many things but not not literally everything mm-hmm. um so it's all it's all euphemisms or then the other one is is censorship right wanting to censor or wanting yes. to just wanting to avoid looking at the actual issue not wanting to see what you're actually advocating for not mm-hmm. wanting you know and 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 i see that happening a lot because i think that i do genuinely believe that when you look at the facts when you look at the biology and you think about like you know what what i would consider pretty standards morals and ethics the pro-life position to me is is a lot stronger yeah it's a lot stronger it doesn't rely on euphemism it doesn't yeah. rely on censoring it doesn't rely on not you know you want to have you actually want to have the conversations because mm-hmm. When you do, you can look at the facts and look, the fact the facts are on my side. You're saying, okay, this is just a, a parasite or a clump of cells. Okay, let's let's actually look. Let's look at pictures. All right. Let's look at pictures. Yeah. Let's see what it is. Oh, yeah. you're saying, yeah, right. You know, and like, no, they don't want to see it. they don't want to see the picture. You don't want to see the result of an abortion. Gosh, like yeah. they definitely they, 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 people don't want to see that. I know, I know people who have shifted strongly more in the pro-life directions just from seeing it, just being like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even know, you know, because you tell some people, oh, you know, like they you know, you know, in a surgical abortion, you know, they like rip the baby apart limb from limb and they crush the brain and, and they're like, oh, no, they come on, man. Like, they don't do that. You're like, uh, they do. This is a standard procedure. I, I've, I've had people I just show them and they're like, dude, I did not even know that was yeah. a thing. Right. Yeah. Maybe they just know about like the pill version and the very early stages. But they're like, dude, I, I didn't even know that. They're like, that's barbaric. I didn't even know that that existed. Yeah. 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 They don't know. Um, and again, yeah, it's the kind of censorship, like you said, of of everything and sugarcoating everything and sugarcoating. covering in all these nice words and free mm-hmm. language, all these amazing, beautiful graphics of, you know. Reproductive rights. That's a big yeah. one I forgot. And that's that, again, is an oxymoron. Yeah, I know because it's already taken place. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, no, no one like. An attack on reproductive rights is something like China's old one-child policy. Yeah, cutting that, off like different. Yeah. Yes, that that's yeah. an an attack on reproductive rights is determining how many children you must have or can have, or like actually nu- you know neutering people or something yeah. like that would be an attack on rep- like everyone. Yeah. Everyone's got a right to reproduce. reproduce. That, that's not that's not the debate. That's not the question. You can have as many yeah. children as you want you can choose not you can choose not to have children if you don't want all right like that's not the issue but if you've already reproduced it's just you know don't don't kill your kids do do you know what's weird do you know what's even weirder about this whole thing is that we're talking about 
it's it's not just that it's babies and kids. It's that it's that it's that it's your baby. This is yeah. your own, this is your own offspring, right? So we recognize in society that as a parent, as a parent, parents have a specific and unique and special responsibility to mm-hmm. their own children. You have responsibility for your own children that you don't have for others, right? If I, I'm not responsible beyond you know general laws and human decency. I'm not responsible for other people's children. I'm not, I'm not responsible for for feeding them or looking after. Them. I can't get thrown in jail for neglecting someone else's child because it's not yeah, my it's child. Not if, if you yeah, if you have a son or a daughter who's a toddler and you go off partying and you leave them and they starve, oh, like you, you're on the hook because that's your <laughs> child. Um, so that's what that's the whole thing that also makes it odd, weirder to me because it's like you you realize this is your this is your child. This isn't. This isn't a random child. Baby is not a ra- not even a random human being. This is your own child, your own flesh and blood, your own DNA. Whether or not you can see it or you choose yeah. to recognize it as such, like that's that's what we're dealing with. So that that to me even makes it it even makes it deeper because it's yeah. like it's, I, why why am I the one who is fighting for your child about yeah you know it shouldn't be like that and it's kind of you know humans have an instinctual like it's ingrained in them to want to protect their children and protect Mm. their offspring and Mm. it's such a betrayal of that you know abortion industry and what it's pushing is to go against the very thing that's rooted in mothers and fathers to want to do for their children it's really sad yeah and it's it's interesting because i'm in the u.s right now and I mean, it's everything that happens in the UK. I mean, in the US, it's just like 10x. Yeah. <laughs> and this has obviously been, a, you know, a big conversation with the recent fall of Roe versus Wade. Um, and then, you know, but but then, you know, just just before that, it was there were there was this school shooting in in Texas. Yeah. And all of the energy, all the you know, we need to do everything. I mean, think back to COVID. You know, if it saves one life, we need to do everything to protect the children and save the children. We need to do this, and and then a moment later, people are on the the same people. Oftentimes, in many cases, are back on the street or back protesting for the right to kill their children. Yeah, and it's, it's- people don't like me saying that, but that's what it is. So your protest it i just don't think that i don't think it's tenable for a society i just i just don't think it's it's tenable to have this like okay we really really like nothing is more important than the preservation of human life and this and that in the same hospital you can have a 23 week year 23 week infant premature baby being delivered and the nurses and the doctors are doing everything everything for that child to survive everything. Mm. And then a child the same age, 23 weeks gestation, somewhere else just just kill them, suck them out, dump them and all good. And that's yeah, that's that's, that's great. like that to me I'm just like this that doesn't make sense. Yeah. That, that doesn't make sense. Like these are both it can't be oh yeah, this one is a baby, this one's a human life, this one they right. And, and then, oh, this one's just a, a clump of cells. Doesn't matter his life. It, it's like that. I, I've, I'm making. And then another thing that's interesting is is people act like it's a it's merely a religious issue. And the people I, I see, the people who invoke religion most though, are not the pro life people. 
That's right? Our- it's it's framed as if, oh, like, you know, we haven't made a, a freaking religious argument here yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but it, but it's but it's like it's painted as if oh it's just these you know these christian extremists they they want to do this and and it's like you're the one bringing in religion like i haven't mentioned i'm not i'm talking about biology i'm talking Mm -hmm. about ethics i'm talking about just pure rational thinking and and logic Mm -hmm. um it's not logical to say that this 23 week old baby is a baby and is a human life and their life should be preserved and protected by the law and this one is just a clump of cells or a parasite or a blastocyst or whatever you know that's just to be discarded of if you don't want it no mm-hmm. one in the world asks a pregnant woman how her fetus is doing or how her clump yeah. of cell is doing no yeah. one no woman has ever been to a, a fetus shower before yeah I right? know. it's not a thing and that's another thing to me as well. So I'm uh, I'm currently almost nine weeks pregnant, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, thanks. <laughs> and how's um, your fetus doing? Oh yeah, my parasite's great. Thanks. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> fabulous. But this is the other thing. All my all the people that I know who are like really pro-abortion have been congratulating me. Of course. And I'm like, what? of course. You don't even think it's a human for what? What are you congratulating me for? Yeah, you know, I've I've ha- I've heard women say that it's a human if if the woman if, wants it, but not otherwise. And 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 again, we're, this is just going back to magic territory. Like, if anything's a religion, that's a religion because that's totally. The, the, like, I'm like, bro, like that is not a biologically nor intellectually it's, sound, or not not yeah. in the slightest. That doesn't make sense. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's yeah. Again, basing someone's value and worth on how you personally feel about them is just not how we should be living um and again and the other thing is with you know society that is constantly focused and talking about equality and equal rights but are still discriminating against humans in the womb it's kind of like mm. Mm, mm. Mm. and the thing is and, and you know we to, to round this conversation out is again there are there are so many things that can be done upstream to avoid this issue right i mean i've told people before they're like oh you're anti-choice i'm like no i'm i'm pro-choice i'm pro abstinence contraception parenthood adoption there's only one so-called choice i have a real moral issue with um that's it there's there's plenty of other ways billions and billions of people around the world managed managed to go go through life without a you know (laughs) having so so like it's it's not magic we 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 go to school we know biology we know how this process happens men and women i'm not just again i'm very careful not just to put this on women like men like you know you 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 know you know how it works you know how this happens like Mm -hmm. um so can we stop pretending that that we just think they magically appear yeah yeah that's another really annoying part of it because then again people get bogged down in the weeds and but if you don't think it's a moral issue at all then you know whether someone has one abortion or 20 abortions then i mean again if someone's being intellectually consistent and they think that there's no moral weight to it then it's like well it makes no makes no difference it's like clipping your toenails but again i don't think many people really hold that position because they themselves do do know deep down that this is not a dream this is not this is not a good thing um yeah and there is so there again you know the pro-life position is very logically consistent the whole pro-life community agrees that human life begins at fertilization whereas Mm. within the pro-choice movement there's so many discrepancies some say it's a heartbeat some say it's 24 weeks some say up to birth some people think that you shouldn't abort disabled babies. some people think you should you know there's so many just things that just don't add up Mm -hmm. um and it kind of again i think it goes to show the kind of 
know, mental gymnastics. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. And having to like battle that every single day. Sorry, can I just say it's Please so do. annoying. I know. I I, I admire you because I, I don't have the I don't have the gumption for that. Like I, I can wade into this conversation like once every <laughs> once every few weeks at most. Um, otherwise, I just I'll go bananas. Okay, but can I ask something? I know this I'm on your podcast, but can I ask you something? Because I think this is really important. I'm big on this. So obviously, you've got like a massive platform. Yes. Yes. Do you like? never have like I don't know how to word this without sounding really cheeky but you know what I've been cheeky this whole time like the whole time emailing <laughs> on your podcast and all that kind of thing so I might as well just carry on the trend do you not have more of an urge to fight for the right to life of unborn humans or to use your platform to influence them a bit more because at the end of the day it is a life or death issue and you it post is. so many amazing bang on things like my mum is absolutely obsessed with you by the way <laughs> um, she is obsessed she always yeah. talks about you and like how you've influenced people and you know your, your content's always shared you know like on this issue do you ever think that like maybe you should post like a bit more about it <laughs> Really- you know, I've actually posted about about it quite a lot over the years. Yeah, you have. You um, have not not to the degree of you know someone who's dedicated to this being their their primary cause. Mm. Um, but if I want to say something, I will. I will say it. I also, yeah. I also just find it's a um, again, given given the size of my audience and platform, is it's a. It's also a matter of effectiveness Mm. because i've found probably like yourself if i talk to people in person Mm. then in person i'm way more likely to shift people's minds and positions where there are many issues on twitter where i'm just like you know what at this scale you you the conversation becomes essentially impossible so i can put my thought i can I can put my my view out there, and I even prefer doing a podcast like this. You know, I've had I've discussed mm-hmm. this on on multiple podcasts, and this is just a better it's just a better platform for this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if I'm I've talked to someone on the complete I've talked to multiple people actually on the on the other side of this issue, and you know had a whole one hour hour and a half conversation mm-hmm. about it. And to me, that's a much more effective. Okay, you want to know my position? Look, here's my position. If you want to know where it comes from, and you want to. Because I know I know exactly what I'm going to get, right? If I post on Twitter, I, I can literally predict the responses and I'm going to have to go back over and over and over. Some of the responses are going to be completely stupid yeah. and inept and, and I need to explain. And, and I'm now spending the next week having discussions with, and, and I'm like, I don't even know if I'm changing anyone's minds here. Mm. Um, so for me, that's why I have the approach that I do not just not just on this one issue, which I am passionate about, but on on some others, because I'm just like, you know what, I've, I've anytime this comes up, it's just it's not that I'm even concerned about the criticism or whatever. Like, that's whatever. That's not yeah. that's not the thing. It's just like, OK, I need to what what is going to be effective, effective, mm. what's going to be effective and actually change someone's mind like i i feel much better like i i have there's individuals i've spoken to even individual friends people i know where i've had this conversation over multiple times like over the course of time and i've actually brought them over mm. much much either completely pro-life or to uh like you know what uh maybe they're like six weeks like max 
All right. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe before they were like all the way and now they're like, okay, you know what? I've learned more about this issue. And after a heartbeat, you know, their position might be, okay, I think before a heartbeat still, meh, you know, kind of gray, whatever. But after that point, they're like, no, obviously that's the termination of a human life. And I'm like, okay, that's not all the way, but that's Good a significant shift. Yeah. And, and at least there's been that moral and ethical dilemma. You know, you've had to go through those weeds in your own head and so on. So I think, um, I think on social media, even when, when it does come up, um, that that still does happen for for some people, which is why I'll you know I'll I'll, I'll bring it up and once in a yeah. while I think it's good to restate my position yeah. on certain issues just so people are clear because I'm always gaining followers and a lot of people think you know people think think oh okay like I know your position on this so therefore I probably know your position on that one and I'm mm -hmm. like no 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 like I'm I'm unapologetically pro life and here's why whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's this, it's this cycle, it's this yeah. cycle. And there's also the, the, the time energy, the, the time factor, the energy. I'll, I'll tell you another one where like, I don't really have, I've, I've learned that for me personally, it's not really worth having the, the debate and conversation on Twitter is like, uh, you know, does God exist? Mm. Right? Does, does God exist? Or like, you know, why, why do I have my beliefs I do? <clears throat> in the real world? I'll sit down with someone and you know, I'll, I'll, we, we can yeah. go and we'll talk. Yeah. But again, I've just learned how, oh, gosh, like every, won't mean I'll never talk about it, but I've had ones and, and for, the, for, the, for the next week, yeah, for the next week, it's just <laughs> like people are commenting for weeks on end. And I then can't like talk about other things or whatever, because like all the mm -hmm. energy and time and I might, I want, I might want to promote my book or promote my music Your or say, music. Hey, I've got an upcoming event coming up. And I, I'm not really trying to have like all, <laughs> all mm -hmm. the energy and time going towards that. So it's a, it's a tricky balance. It's a tricky balance. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I'll, on, on whatever issue um, I'm willing to talk about yeah, it. No, I'm willing yeah. to discuss. It's just, yeah. Uh, and, and this is something I've learned as my as my audience has grown because my naturally my audience used to be a lot smaller, mm. and when my audience was smaller, it was easier to go have these conversations and debates, and you know yeah. you can go into it more. Now it's just like oh boy, um, my my <laughs> tweets reach you know I could put out one tweet and it will reach three million people. Yeah, and now I'm trying to have a one versus three million conversation about what we've just talked about, and yeah. It's <laughs> It, it's not and, and people get so like it, it just yeah like i'll look literally a week later and people are still going at it and oh, yeah comments commenting it's like it's like it's over now it's been a couple of weeks yeah was was that was that productive did that shift anyone's mind i don't know yeah that's fair no that is absolutely fair yeah I, yeah but yeah but we have voices like yours and um I love and respect what you are doing, and I, you. uh, you, you've, you've got my, you've got my support implicitly and explicitly. Um, so, Eden, before we jump off this, where can people find you online? Oh, so we have a website, abortionresistance.org.uk, and we have every social media platform at Abortion Resist. So, if people want to go and follow, that'd be absolutely fabulous. Um, and thank you so much for having me on. And next time you're in London, I'm going to be watching out so I can come to one of your concerts. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Thanks, Eden. I appreciate you. I am the man.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.